good. I, I've got scheduled faces. It's Hallelujah. So it is Hallelujah. It is so exciting. How does it feel though to be, you know, they, they do the um you know kind of tranched rollout where they mm. roll it out to one yes. percent and then fifty percent. How does it feel to be the last like you know, one percent. Ninety nine percent of the world has it before you. I, I gotta feel that this is personalized. I mean, I know it's not <laughs> personalized, but it's like what I want to know is like who needs this feature more than I do. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's there isn't anybody who needs it, but I feel like we have really, really needed this feature. I, that's that's true. Like we have a basically consistent space that we skip it from time to time, like last week. And uh, yeah, and like ha- be, be able to let people know and schedule it and that kind of stuff. But like we're sure. pr- we're pretty reliable about doing it. And yeah, and then I love like then Twitter sending me a notification to be like remember to start your space in thirty minutes. I'm like Twitter, like no offense, but like I I have been the one who's been on the goddamn ball. Like seriously, like like where, where have you been? Where like, have you been? How about you remember to give me a feature within a year of when you give it to everybody else? How about that? And then I'll like don't don't you worry about my space. Like we we we, we got our space figured out. We know how to. Start this, is, it. this is the equivalent of of Twitter sending you a calendar. Calendly link. Calendly link. All right, we're going to go there. Is that where you want to start? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> no, let's go ahead. Let's just do Let's get the Calendly link thing out of the way. The And then we'll get on to our, our scheduled event here. The our, What did you make of the Calendly thing? I mean, I know that I had a particular role. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, don't, I don't think I have the as extreme reaction, but I have had the experience of like, oh, I get it. Like, I get to turn my schedule around your schedule. Uh, in particular, when when folks give you like, here are the three times that I'm available. Um, but I've also had plenty of ones that are sent to me that it's like, I'm I'm available anytime except for from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. So pick whatever time you want. So perhaps it's like how it's used rather than in general uh, it being bad. It is emphatically how it's used. And I'm not even sure that I would have. There was an initial tweet. If folks didn't see this, there's an initial tweet basically saying that that it is rude to send someone a, a that you're a Calendly, a Calendly invite. This is a VC, I believe, that was saying this. Uh, it, they, they viewed it as an act of domination because, of course, VCs have to view <laughs> everything in the most animal terms. I think that I've not had – oh, I've had two like bad experiences with Calendly and plenty of positive ones. I don't use Calendly myself, but obviously I make a lot of appointments people do. And I've had basically every experience has been positive except for two, one of which was that the person had scheduled it all in the wrong time zone. And I didn't realize that at first. So I'm like, this person only wants to meet between the hours of like one and six a.m. And for whatever reason, like my first thought was not like, oh, the time zone is wrong. <laughs> well, there you go. I, that says something. <laughs> it does say something. It does say something. Wait, what does it say? It, it, mm, let's not get into that. Well, are we going to get into that later? I think, I think we should. <laughs> uh, I, I it, it it says that I may be lacking a little bit of common sense sometimes. Um, there you go. Is that the is that the most euphemistic way? You know what it reminds me of? Did I ever tell you about the debugging this bug? In I I, I I working on a pretty deep change to the kernel, changing the way the kernel does timekeeping, and the way that, you remember this, the cyclic squad, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 changing the way that the so Unix historically has this clock that fires every ten milliseconds called that 
increments this variable called Elbolt, lightning bolt. And I was changing that to be a consumer of a much more general facility and doing a bunch of things that were very low level and had to do with the way the system keeps time. And I came in and I was on the final approach for this WAD. And I came in in the morning and one of my test machines had was off, had powered off. And I'm like, God damn it. I have a bug that is powering the machine off. And how do you debug that? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like burning its bridges there. Like, oh, also absolutely. Not a lot of state left over. Not a lot of state left over. So I'm thinking like, I, how, and so I'm like, God damn it. How, first of all, what did I do to do this? Like, the, because we do actually have power control in the system and it certainly is possible for the system. And I, I've got a stray pointer. I've got memory corruption that's powering the thing off. And how am I going to debug it? And I'm kind of, I, I, I don't know what, and I'm kind of pacing trying to figure out like, what is even my next move? Like, where do you record data to if we're going to, we, you can't record it to DRAM. And as I'm pacing the lab, I realized that another machine was off and another machine next to it was off. And in fact, all these monitors on this row were off. And in fact, it was a blown power strip. And you basically, <laughs> how long you've been waiting to do that? I, did you have but did I, you have to readjust your headset to be able to prepare yourself for the slow clap? That's what I want to know. Did I do a slow clap? I, <laughs> I, I that was that was totally unintentional. I, I was taking off one headset while I unmuted the other. Sorry if that sounded like a slow that clap. That did sound like a slow clap, but clearly I'm hypersensitized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was I, yeah, I, I was well, certain that was a slow clap. Was that not what that was? No, no, sorry, my bad. But I, I do know that feeling. I mean, that, that must have been a months long mod, or certainly a weeks long mod. So your mind just goes to very dark places. Your mind goes to not, very dark places. Not like, hey, maybe someone kicked over the power strip. <laughs> right, exactly. Someone just like that. That's exactly right. Your mind goes to very dark places. Is this a good segue of like you know, uh, you know, s stupid problems? Um, uh, into tonight's. Topic? I think so. Um, I, and, maybe as good as we're gonna get. And, and, and so. So this this came up because um, th there was this hacker news thread, and featured prominently in it was this warning message that you wrote uh, fifteen years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. Coming up on fourteen years ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, and yeah, well, and so on. I I don't know how I, I think I found this by searching ZFS on Hacker News. Do you? I mean, like, look, we're in a safe space. We're actually not in a safe space. But the do you search Hacker News? What do you search on Hacker News for? Do you search Hacker News periodically? Do I search? Uh, so I um, I do search Hacker News periodically, uh, infrequently though. I do look for things like Dtrace and ZFS. And come on, you, you, do you ego search Hacker News. It's okay. No, I, 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 it, it, look, I think that that would be too, that would be tough for me. I just, I don't think I come up enough that it would be that, that thrilling of a ride. Um, but I do look for like folks for whom you know, my enemies list uh, to make sure that they're being disparaged properly. I'm not going to share that full list. I mean, that could be a whole different Twitter space. Even better. I know I don't search myself. Yeah. I only search my enemies. Like I, I don't, I don't care what people are saying about me. I want to make sure. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. I, I, I demand attention to detail in the way that my enemies are being, yeah, there we go. That makes sense. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what do you search for? Um, I will own to, to ego searching hacker news. So definitely, I, I've got a distinctive last name, so I, I do search for that. Um, I search for Dtrace and I search for ZFS just because I, you know, curious, whatever. Yeah. I I have been just because you want to you want to keep an eye on when people are kind of talking about technologies. So maybe you can chime in. I do find that that it 
very much helps in online discussions. If things are especially tacking super negative, it very much helps for the technologists behind the technology to participate in the thread just to humanize it. I don't know if you've found this as well. No, agreed. I mean, I, I feel like that does put the lid on some of the most toxic kind of conversation yeah. when someone shows up and like wave emoji. Wave emoji. Uh, you know, exactly. That, like this, I'm, I'm here actually right now. So, you know, ask and that's anything. right. And, and, you know, I, and then you obviously want, especially people being critical, you want to make sure that you're listening to them. But I just find that like, Hey, can we light up maybe some of the mirror neurons? We don't have to be quite such assholes to the, the people who develop this technology. Um, the, so I, I, I do end up searching for that kind of stuff. And I realize that we're now in direct opposition to what we're saying about your enemies list. So I don't know what I, we're just going to have to like <laughs> have both ways. Um, the, so I, um, I, and after we open sourced hubris and humility, I actually started searching hubris on hacker news. <laughs> that seems like there might be some, some false <laughs> positives. On that there story. are a lot of false positives and it's this kind of like, crazy slice across hacker news because as it turns out hubris is only being used to disparage things and it is kind of like a it's like a very finely tuned detector where you're actually now i'm being trolled by things i wasn't being trolled by before by searching for the term hubris yeah you know it's it's not surprising at all that that's a popular term on hacker news because it's the right kind of intersection of just intellectual mm-hmm. enough and just disparaging enough, <laughs> you know, n- n- not too clever and not too kind. It is. And it's got, I mean, hubris is, I mean, it's a great word. It, it, sure. it is a great, unfortunately it's a six letter word. So it'll never be, are you, I, I, I've been mean to ask you <laughs> and I just, uh, I, I'm sorry to go on a tangent. Can, can we talk Wordle for a second? Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew, I knew that's where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love Wordle. It's, uh, you know, it's a competition in my house that, that I had the good fortune of, of winning a couple of days in a row, which which was not to my benefit, to be clear. Like losing Wordle is the smartest thing I can do in my relationship. But that's not something you're going to be biologically capable of doing. <laughs> well, it turns out my wife is better at Wordle than I am. Really? So I, mar- I married up in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, she crushes. So then, I mean, so folks should know that you're a very good Scrabble player. I would never play. A, I mean, let me put it this way. Go ahead. I, Sorry, I was a I was a pretty good Scrabble player. I did spend time memorizing like lists yes. of words, and I do know what some of those. Yes, words and are. I highly recommend if you're going to play Scrabble with Adam, bring a dictionary and a lawyer because you're going to need them both. The- yeah, yeah, both of them for sure, absolutely. Do not and do not bring one without the other; or you'll be devoured. Yeah. Because and, um, so it, wow, that's interesting. So she's a very and so that means you may have bred some sort of wordle superhuman in 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 joshua that is that that's disturbing uh yeah yeah it could be i mean found him asleep last night in bed with his swim goggles on <laughs> but maybe that's a maybe that's a sign of preternatural wordle ability too oh yeah. uh, for whatever reason it's just such a great visual uh just because he's such a i mean he's, he's a large human He's a large human. He's a large human. He makes large decisions. <laughs> large decisions. <laughs> All right. So, we, so but Wordle um, was popular in your household. You would, you, you yeah, enjoy yourself sure. in Wordle. All right. The, yeah. Wordle's been very popular in our household as well. It's very, it's very well done, honestly. Everything about it is well done. It's, it's, it's kind of yeah. amazing that it wasn't done earlier, actually, because it is like mastermind for words. Exactly. You explain it like that. You're like, why wasn't it done sooner? Yeah. But it is, it is pretty good. And, yeah. Uh, so, you're, so there you are. 
uh, searching for yourself on Hacker News and then moving on. Then to moving ZFS. on to ZFS. So searching for hubris, finding that very strange slice. Okay, moving along. And then, yeah, so I think it must have been a search for ZFS that found this. And then it is definitely weird to like search for something and see this message that I wrote 14 years ago, coming up on 14 years ago, 14 years ago on April 18th. It is. We'll get into kind of the details on that in a second. Um, and so the, just, just to give other people context, and the context is also in the original tweet on the space, but this is a, so Adam and I worked together on a, a group that was developing a network storage appliance at Fishworks and Sun. And like, like any appliance, any uh, IT appliance, you it's not designed to be interact with at, interacted with at the operating system shell. There's a higher level command line that is more captive and more constrained. But again, I would assume like most of, my, most of these kind of environments, there is a way to get an arbitrary shell into the operating system. And this message is very direct. So Adam, did you, I, I, I had not thought of this message since we wrote it no no i do i do remember like the the lengths that we that we went to uh to keep people out and i do remember there being like a big message but i i did not remember the details of this so sure. should i perform an out loud reading from this message is that uh, oh please do right, so I, I first of all you're going to have to uh dear listener imagine the ascii art box that contains all this the ascii art is a very important element of this of course that's kind of properly framed with ascii art offset with with dashes and hyphens and pluses so it says i'm not going to scream the bits that are in ca all caps by the way so just imagine some of the let's just assume that the most emphatic bits are in all caps you are entering the operating system shell by confirming this action in the appliance shell you have agreed that this action may void any support agreement that's in caps if you do not agree to this or do not otherwise understand what you are doing, you should type exit at the shell prompt. Every command that you execute here is audited, and support personnel may use this audit trail to substantiate invalidating your support contract. The operating system shell is not a supported mechanism for managing this appliance, and commands executed here may do irreparable harm. Nothing should be, then, new paragraph. Apparently, that we decided that wasn't enough. Apparently, like, you'd be like, wow, okay, like, that seems like enough. Apparently, it's like, no. Well, dear reader, dear reader. Stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay. Next paragraph. Next paragraph. Next paragraph. Nothing should be attempted here by untrained support personnel under any circumstance. Any circumstances. This appliance is a non-traditional operating system environment and expertise in a traditional operating system environment in no way constitutes training for supporting this appliance. And this is where you get to the sentence that I think that the original poster to this to Hacker News it resonated with this person anyway. Those with expert, this is all in caps, those with expertise in other systems, however superficially similar, are more likely to mistakenly execute operations here that will do irreparable harm. Unless you've been explicitly trained on supporting this appliance via the operating system shell, you should immediately return to, to the appliance shell. Type exit now to return to the appliance shell. New paragraph. So, well, I would say well think, crafted, first of all. A, a group effort for sure. But when I read that, I'm like, I, I'm virtually certain that was me. It was me, but I, I, that was definitely a group effort, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I know that because I found the email that I sent to the team announcing that we had done this. And 
Uh, and that that email was helpful because so first of all, a couple of things about this. Did you remember anything about this message, Adam, when you saw it? No, no, I, no. In in fact, and you and Keith were sort of uh, joking about the genesis of this, and that has totally, like, I have no idea why. I, I know that something precipitated this. This did not come out of the blue, uh, and I don't think this was purely prophylactic. So I, I did not remember. The so concept. the thing that's funny is what I thought the Genesis was, the timing does not line up. I thought we had done this after we had shipped. We shipped in, in late 2008. Um, this was done in early 2008. This was done before we shipped. And I, what I did remember correctly is that the, the, the target audience here was not actually the customer. The target audience was actually our, our fellow son employees who thought they were being helpful that was really the target audience. and was this was this the test organization or was this was this other, other you know helpers? i think it was other helpers i think i think I the, 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 the are the folks that worked with us in the test organization kind of figured out pretty quickly what they could and couldn't do the 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 context that we had offered was that we had people that were uh changing the network interface configuration from the operating system shop, which is like not something you, like, that is being managed by another body of software. And this is where you get to like, I do think kind of like the, the interesting and slightly broader issue that we want to hit on, which is, you know, when you, you're offering, like this is not an abstraction. The operating system shell is not part of the abstraction that we were offering. It was very much an implementation detail. But there were things that, that would lead you to believe that there, like in, in Unix, the shell is the abstraction and you can do things with the shell. And that gives you this kind of false sense, the, you know, the Jurassic Park line, right? I know this, this is Unix. It's like, no, you don't know this. Like, you don't know this. This is not in particular at the time. This is not the Solaris that you, you, you think you know. And because you actually know enough to be dangerous, quite literally, and you are way more likely to do harm by knowing a little than you would if you knew less. And that's why we were trying to be very explicit in this message. And, and this could be true generically, right? I, I don't know how other on-prem appliance-like entities do this, but this is a general problem. I would assume. Right? Like, I mean, built around Linux or FreeBSD or, or whatever it is. It's like if, if someone, if some naive user manages to, or, or even sophisticated user manages to navigate their way to such a shell, then they're probably going to break things worse. They're going to break things. And so, yeah, I think what we, and I would love to get to some of these stories that I know people have of where well-meaning, maybe customers, maybe support personnel, well-meaning folks have made the problem much, much worse. This is like the, like the James Garfield of, of IT support. Um, Do you know, Adam, have I, have we, no, I don't think we've gone deep on, on James, Garfield. James Garfield. Really? So James Garfield, president, assassinated. Single. He is a. He is shot by Charles Guiteau, bonkers guy. Charles Guiteau shoots him because he has been passed over as the ambassador for France, which I kind of love. That's like a little twist that I love. That like you got to think like James Garfield as this guy is shooting was me like, this is exactly the kind of anger management problem that I was concerned about when I did not make you the ambassador. <laughs> like, 
like you keep asking what you're, you're doing it right now. You're you're doing the thing that right. that, 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 that I am concerned about right now. But I don't I don't think Charles Coteau is a serious candidate for the ambassador of France. He shoots Garfield. Do you know the story? This is an amazing story. No, okay. no, no. He shoots Garfield. Garfield then is is, is taken away. Char- shoots him at a train station. He's taken away. And they uh, and now nineteenth century medicine will take it from here. So. In particular, they want to fish the bullet out of him. But Alex- Alexander Graham Bell is here. Don't really know how that works. Like Alexander, I don't know. It's Washington, D.C. It's 1881. Alexander Graham Bell. This wasn't a dream. This, this really this happened. Really happened. Yes. Alexander Graham Bell, right. And then there's a walrus there, and the walrus goes home. No, Alexander Graham Bell is there. And he's, Alexander Graham Bell has a new invention, the metal detector. And he's going to use this. Like, I will use this to determine where the bullet is. He determines, mm, bad news. The bullet is like buried in like near the spine. Alexander Graham Bell has detected the bed springs in the bed. Oh. Oh yeah, God. this is not good. And so oh. then they are fishing around for this bullet with these filthy hands. Like there's, there's not this understanding of, of, the, of infection. And James Garfield dies of septic shock, dies of sepsis. Oh, I feel like there's like I, I feel like that like I I mean the story is interesting to me. it's captivating to me because I feel like this this analog comes up a lot <laughs> where you have where your I mean I think we can kind of throw in the the, the the blanks with where Alexander Graham Bell's that we have known have detected the bed springs that we can think of and that others you know, have fished their hands around it. I'm reading a book that referred to this period as the one of heroic medicine. And I do think that there's a strong analog here for heroic debugging and heroic intervention. Ooh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I like that. Well, we'll just, I mean, so <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a, of a customer example, and uh, I, I got to get this one off my chest. So I, I was the CTO of a company called Delphix, and one of the organizations that that, um, that was in my purview was support. And w- this is, I don't know if this is dated or embarrassing, but I'm just going to get out with it. Like the way that we supported this product, it was an on-prem product, is uh, for these systems that were not internet connected, is often a support person on the customer side would start a WebEx. They would screen share. We would log into this, this kind of shell with this kind of prompt in front of it. And then we would remotely type in commands while the customer watched. Um, it kind of sucked for all the reasons you can imagine it sucking. Uh, like the customer screensaver turning on and they were out at lunch and us losing, you know, time doing that, like all those kinds of things. But it, one of the ways it really sucked is um, when the, in this case, the customer broke the connection uh, intentionally with us and was left with the shell, left the, this ostensibly general purpose shell to a system they knew. And they completely fucked things up. Oh, like in, in, uh, in particular around networking stuff, um, as they, as they, again, tried this heroic intervention. Um, and then we finally kind of patched, we got the connection back up, we went back online, we started, kept on debugging this thing, and the support people kept on reporting to me that they had no idea what was wrong with the system, that it seemed worse than when they started, and the customer did not fess up to this. We kept on hypothesizing. We think the customer, when we broke that connection, that they went and monkeyed with stuff, but how can we prove it? Unlike the Fishwork system, our commands were not logged. It wasn't audited. It was, a, it was a huge oversight on our part to not do that. But we didn't have any insight into what they could have done. We didn't have any smoking gun. 
until. Yeah, no, this because you are not yet a parent or teenager when this was happening. I feel like this is where <laughs> your teenage parenting, actually, maybe, maybe this is more like younger kid parenting, where you're just like, if someone took the cookie from the cookie jar, I'm not saying you did. <laughs> well, well, we asked them, and they, they said no, and we asked them again, and they insisted no, and, and then we got an email. And, you know, G, one of the great gifts of Gmail is not giving you the full context of the emails you're sending or forwarding. And we got forwarded an email from the customer where they, they you know, the, the first kind of few messages as we expanded the, the forward chain were pretty, you know, pedestrian. But about 20 messages in, we started seeing some bickering back and forth at the customer in email saying, should we fess up? Should we tell them <laughs> the ways in which we reconfigured networking? Should we not tell them? They decided not to. In, and we saw all of this happening in reverse chronological order in this deeply nested forward. Um, and, you know, and then, then the politics of, you know, carefully presenting this to the customer, um, yeah. that we needed to also retain, but, um, but we're, we're able to navigate past that. But we really, I mean, we, we, we implemented auditing shortly after that and it turned out to be really important. Yeah. And how do you handle that? Because I, and I, I just think that like, this is also this fundamental tension of like, it is, you know, it's your system. You're the customer. Like you have paid for this thing. And on the one hand, you know, we want to, you to, you've got the right at some level to screw it up. On the other hand, like we don't want you to screw it up and we don't, we want you to have the best part. I mean, it's like, it's hard. Like there's this tension with like, you don't want to be overly patronizing, but you also don't want them to, 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 accidentally do something that is going to jeopardize their experience. Well, and when, when you can't unwind what they've done, right? Like you can configure yeah. systems in such a way where like, I'm not sure I can resuscitate this thing. Um, so, so like, and, and, but, but this, I mean, the fact that they needed to take the reins or they decided they needed to take the reins was, was also symptomatic of another problem, which is, you know, our support team, you know, great, great folks, but they had, not given them the confidence they needed. Like the customer didn't take control as the first step. They did it after they had sort of lost patience and decided like, Hey, I can fix this better than you guys. So interesting. That, that was the other lesson that we internalized there, which was um, we spent a lot of time like fixing things that maybe were the problem, maybe weren't, but were certainly good for the system, you know, good, beneficial, you know, good, robust health kind of things. Um, but we developed like a three strikes and you're out rule, which was even if you find things that may be beneficial, but you can't, but you don't think that they're necessarily, you don't have evidence that they're necessarily going to fix that problem. We deferred those kinds of changes just because of this experience of, you know, if you, if you make too many changes with the hope that it might fix things, they lose confidence after the second or third. Oh God, you're bringing back bad memories. <laughs> well, this is bad memories. Yeah, no, this is like a really important point. Because you are, people want to solve the customer's problem. Customers upset. You you want to write the customer, and in that enthusiasm, people are not always completely rigorous about how they vet their own theories. Absolutely, and you start digging for the bed springs. You start digging for the bed springs. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I mean, this was particularly acute when we dealt with performance problems, which were, I mean, by their nature are much squirrelier often than, than functional problems, than, than kind of clearer bugs. And like in particular, we, we, you know, in that product, one of the common misconfigurations that customers would have would they, they hadn't set like the NFS, you know, maximum transfer size to a particular value. 
And so our, our folks would say, oh, reboot the system and do this and do that. And if that didn't fix the problem, that was sort of strike one. And you, you only had a couple more opportunities uh, of not fixing the problem before they just gave up on us. Yeah, I I mean, not to be a captive of the mother of all support issues, but God, this brings back so many bad eCash parody error memories. Um, oh, because because I, I son must have just been saying, oh my know, God, do this, do that, hold the antenna sideways. Oh, hold the antenna the sideways. System. Oh my God. Yeah. There were so many of these. One in particular, because they, they would, we talked about the Cash Parrier before. We did the Requiem with Tom on Spark. I said that we were going to get through without talking about the Cash Parrier. This chip level defect that caused all these different problems. And one of the problems with this thing, and I think we've described it before, but just for those to ramp everyone else up, the when you had bad parity and that you had a, you had a chip that had uh, what, that had bad parity on these cash lines, had a bad cash line. That chip was not necessarily likely to discover it. That that parity error could be discovered when the line was snooped by another CPU. So, and it would not tell you where that came from because it wouldn't know. So CPU ten has an eCache parity error. So of course you're like, oh, replace CPU ten. You're like, no, you literally just killed the messenger. So we had customers where we found the bad CPU because it was the only one that hadn't been replaced. This is like that that picture of the airplane in World War II and where yes. the damage had occurred. Yes, absolutely. And the and the damage you had to infer from the fact, and so there was that was bad. But the memory you really brought back for me was dealing with a, a uh, customer in London who like. <laughs> I, I, I guess they told me the story just to torture me. I was, I, but they were, well, I think actually to convey how upset they were at the time, which is very understandable. Um, they were having a cash barriers, particularly bad rash. Sun was claiming these were due to environmental issues in their data center. And in particular, Sun claimed that this is because they were within a quarter of a mile of the London underground. It there's like vibration or something as vibe. Okay, that's exciting. Right, which of course, like, how does vibe get you to like an eCash parody? Like these things are like not connected. They had done like the math, and effectively, ninety nine point eight percent of the city of London is within a quarter of a mile of the tube. So it's like it's not a, you know, that's ridiculous. Um. Then they claimed that it was due to dust in the DC, that the DC, Hold the on. data center had. Can I just ask, how yes, many Matt. spots in London are not within a quarter mile of the London I, Underground? I, I, exactly. They are all within a quarter mile of London Underground, which is part of the reason. So the customer basically kicked that one back to sun, like, no, no, that's bullshit. But they did convince them that there was a dust issue. So the customer did a million pound upgrade of to to have the the environment make the environment much cleaner with respect to dust of course this had nothing to do with the problem and the cash parity errors persisted in part to try to repair the relationship with this very upset customer sun invited them up to the manufacturing facility in scotland and they got to the manufacturing facility and in the manufacturing facility these E10Ks were being, or, or at that point, uh, F25Ks, big machines, were being deboxed in the same room that they were being burned in. So there was like cardboard everywhere. And there was dust everywhere. And the customer described 
running his finger on like a surface and looking at the finger and the finger was just black with dust and holding it up to the, the VP of quality at Sun saying, I paid a million quid for what exactly? And apparently it was just like, I'm like, what was it like in that room? They're like, oh, <laughs> oh it was silent. It was silent. Yeah. And, you know, to Sun's credit, and not very, this is not saying very much, but to Sun's credit, it was just like, took that one right on the chin. <laughs> like, did not try. It. Like, I'm not going to say any words here. I'm just going to, like, yeah, just let you shout. Just shout it out. Just, just shout it out, and I'm going to beg for mercy. But it, it, it is, it, it was a good reminder that, you know, and this is like, this is kind of the duality that this kind of this message represents that on the one hand, like that's concerned about the customer being wrong. But there are lots of times when the folks using the technology are right. And you, you and you got to be very, very careful when you are supporting a customer. And I like, you know, I like the, the, the three strikes in your out thing is kind of interesting, Adam, where he was like, you want to like, we don't have an infinite amount of capital to chase random theories. We really need to hone in on this thing and then we need to get it right. And I think it's tough when the customer's upset, you know? Yeah, you want to kind of like, maybe this is the thing. Maybe this will, like, I can just do this right now and, and it could fix it. And it's like, it's hard to see the other side of it. It's like, but if it's not right, like, will they believe you next time? Like, or have you just lost a, a little bit of credibility? Even, even if it's like sort of low effort or whatever to try it out. It's like every one of those. It's, yeah. It's kind of surprising. And I think, I mean, my bias on, on kind of squaring this is, is transparency, I would say. But I'm not sure that, I mean, I don't think that also is not a perfect solution because I have been probably too transparent with customers at times <laughs> where it's like, I don't know that if I want my surgeon to walk me through the risks at quite this level of depth. <laughs> you know, this, this calls to mind another Delphix support incident where we were doing an upgrade that involved like moving a lot of D ZFS data sets around and to and fro and it was a pretty dicey procedure. And so for this, um, Eric Schrock and I, the, the VP of engineering and I was CTO, were in the room with the support personnel as they were running this on the first customer for the first time. And it went south. And, you know, Eric and I were like, you know, how are we going to recover their data and, and so forth? The customer comes on the line and says, hey, guys, you know, we're getting to the end of this, um, to the outage window. Like, are we going to make it here? And Eric and I are looking at each other like, your data may all be gone and like we may be losing our jobs and, and the sport guy just unmutes and says, you know, it's going to take us uh, a little bit longer than expected. And, and I, all I can do is apologize and we're working on it. And I was like, Oh, David, thank you. Thank you. And we were able to get the customer data back, but it was deeply touch and go. Well, and that's a skill too. Oh. I, know, I, I, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have just vomited all over the phone. And, <laughs> I, and I mean, th this is also, I mean, to your point about transparency, like, and, and uh, you know, if, if there is a, if there's a problem during surgery, to what degree do you want to be informed of it in the moment or perhaps after the fact, after everything has been stitched back up? Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember when uh, I was one customer that we were very transparent with, this is our, our friend, Jesse St. Laurent, and who was a huge advocate of w what we had done at Fishworks. I remember talking with him about a customer, a problem that a customer was having. 
and they were having a, it was both into a thundering herd. I diagnosed this as a thundering herd and we were a, there was a CV broadcast that should have been a CV signal. So, and there were for other reasons because of SU zero D we had thousands of threads that are waiting on the CV and we're broadcasting. They're all waking up. Only one of them is getting the lock. The rest of them are going to sleep, but in the process of doing it, all of those thousands of threads are in the way of the one thread that needs to do the work. And so the system is going orders of magnitude slower than it should go. If we just, and those of you who write multi-threaded code, you should use CV signal, not CV broadcast. CV broadcast, you generally do not, people kind of casually use broadcast. Like, you really rarely need broadcast. You should the the disposition should always be to, to signal rather than broadcast to avoid the seven hundred problem. This, this is your PSA for the kids. I got you. The PSA for the kids. Listen, yeah. I listen. You're the one with a teenager who's dabbling with C plus plus. So, like, I'm trying to help you, pal. I'm trying oh, to- the shame. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I, the I, I, the if anyone's wondering where my C plus plus tweets are coming from today, they are all coming from Adam and and him. It, Adam is blessed with a teenager who's interested in software engineering, which is. Not and, and damned with a teenager who is only C plus plus for the moment. So exactly. which I'm trying to trying to meet him where he is. <laughs> exactly. The good news is loves to cook. Bad news is it's all cooking crack. But you know, I I, I want to <laughs> encourage the interest in chemistry. Um, but so if if, if people are are wondering that's going on, but so the yeah, I mean this could be this could be news you could use. But so what I realized is that like actually these things CV broadcast and CB signal are right next to one another in program text. I mean, of course, because you know part of the same file is on, and the branch displacement they're, they're less than two hundred and fifty six bytes apart. And I could actually write the branch displacement in program text. Did you know I did that? <laughs> no, talk about heroic medicine though. And I started asking. Jesse questions that were making him, were making him very nervous. I'm like, so just like, tell me about this system. He's like, well, it's like an extremely important system that right now thousands of healthcare researchers are using. Yeah. Right. But, but all systems are important. Come on. Right. And he, Jesse's like, why are you asking me all this stuff? And I'm like, no, I like, I think I can actually fix this. I think it will be, it will be a single bite. Right. Um, I have an experimental procedure that I just <laughs> thought of on the moment that I'd like to try out on your grandmother. Like, how does that sound? It, and listen, Granny's not doing so well. This is it is experimental medicine. It's like, you know what? What do we have to lose? We don't have anything to lose. And and I'm like, it, would it be worse if this system bounced? Yes, it'd be much worse. Like, well, okay, well, <laughs> like now now you're doing actuarial calculus. Like, how much worse, and how likely <laughs> is it to bounce? Right. I'm holding up the. Like, is it a seven in terms of pain or an eight? It feels more like a seven. Maybe it's a six. Remember, ten is like the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. And the I love doing that with kids. Like, it's a ten. Like, it's not a ten. Like, no, you're trying to choose between like one through four. Sorry, <laughs> right? Those are those are the numbers that are your options. <laughs> like, numbers above five are not are not eligible for the pain you are currently enduring. Um, but I did ask for his like. He's like Jesse's like you keep. Like, why are you still talking about this? Like, are you just like, this is making me really nervous. Like, you are clearly nervous about this, and you should do this. I mean, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so did you dig the bullet out of the bed springs? Uh, I did this, patched the bite, and, I mean, it was, I mean, look, you know, we don't, and, I, I know you're using heroic debugging disparagingly, but. Well, and, and to be clear. It just, shouldn't be just, the hero. In case it's not clear, you're talking about in the kernel, right? <laughs> yes. And so Brian is saying he went to the function called CV broadcast, 
replaced the first byte to turn it into a branch to CV signal. Okay, listen, that, that would have been crazy. I was not doing that. What I was doing was marginally less crazy. I was going to the particular oh, call, the call site, site that was the, that was the problem. Okay. okay, so you just changed that one call site. Right. Yeah, there you go. That's your own part. That's 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 more narrow, narrow crazy. Yeah, it's narrow crazy. Yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, it is. It just shows you the incredible power of a single byte in a. I mean, this is this is like the the glory of of software systems that you got one byte. That is the difference between the system just being destroying itself. And just being, just ripping. It was amazing. So yeah, I mean, we hit the one bite and like, it was just like all the storm clouds were gone. Like, bam, the system was just cranking. I mean, and you did have this preponderance of evidence that yeah. this was the problem, right? It yeah. wasn't like, I mean, you weren't just changing some bite or whatever. Like, it was pretty targeted. It was extremely targeted. But I definitely remember, this is where transparency was not necessarily great because I was being totally transparent with, with the Jesse, who was getting increasingly nervous at my level of transparency. <laughs> right, like moving you away from the system. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I still think that I got to be biased towards, I think you got to be biased towards transparency, right? When we're dealing with these. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely biased towards transparency. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the timing of that transparency, right? Like, Hey, your system is in a really bad state and I'm not sure we're ever going to fix it, but we're still working on it is different than like, you know, uh, kind of a, a more percentage wise update or an after the fact recount of, of what all went on. Yes. And I think that the, cause I also think that the, how is this different in a software as a service world? How has this changed? That's interesting. Because, I mean, you do get these, I, I mean, in some ways, you get these outage notifications, and there's a lot more, like, it's, it's pretty opaque in most cases. And then you'll get these postmortems of, uh, often, or in, for the responsible SaaS vendors, that, that tell you what happened. That do tell you what happened, yeah. And I would love to know, wh- I think the postmortems are, gen- I, mean, I think this is actually generally a great trend, is that the SaaS outages do have now very detailed postmortems and you know that's a that's a great shift where we i mean we know right now if if amazon or or google were to have a cloud outage that would be severe we can count on the fact that you know four or five six days later whatever it takes there will be like a pretty detailed postmortem I'm, i'm actually i know people can be critical of them but i think they're actually really quite good. And certainly we always strive to do that at, at Joyant. I'd be curious to know like when that really started. And maybe it just, that always came along with SaaS. I don't know, maybe. But it is, it is a good kind of cultural norm or what is becoming a cultural norms or expectation, certainly. But, you know, that's different than your interaction with Jesse, where that's like live tweeting the outage. Yes, this is more like I'm pre-mortem. The pre-mortem people are less excited about. That's right. Yeah, Ian, go ahead. Uh, I think if you have uh, sufficiently large customers, they are going to be asking you through their private support channels for that uh, post-mortem after an incident anyway. So if you have a sufficient number of those 
um, customers, it makes more sense to just post it publicly um, so that everyone can refer to the same document rather than um, posting, you know, individual updates to each of these uh, interested parties. I think that that's totally right. But having been a very large customers of things that I've not gotten any of that transparency on, um, I mean, even still, I mean, we were, you know, we had a Twitter space a while ago where we were talking about the, the Seagate firmware problem. We were a huge customer of those drives and never got full transparency on what actually happened. So I, I actually think that, that the, it's not just customer. I mean, I agree with you. It should be that, but I don't, it's not just that. I mean, I feel that like these companies are more transparent than they strictly have to be. But maybe yeah, I think, I think the other part here is a little bit of industry standardization around terminology and around process where, um, the Google pushing out the SRE uh, model in book form and starting to talk about some of these practices and practicing what they preach kind of forced a bit of a transformation in the industry such that the idea of a PIR is something that is like, this is an acronym that the majority of the industry understands at this point. So, um, you know, there is a bit of an expectation and a, a kind of rising tide in that uh, this is kind of standard operating procedure for any large enough SaaS vendor now to provide that kind of thing. Which is great, honestly. I mean, I think it's a terrific development in, in the industry um, and certainly something that, that we always believed in, but not something that you got from kind of traditional, certainly from traditional vendors, you don't get that. Um, they isolate their customers from failures. And maybe it's the fact that they're public too that makes it, Harder to run from, harder to deny. I mean, AWS, if, if there's a cloud outage, it's really hard to deny that it happened versus... Yeah, if there's, an, if there's like an EMC array outage or whatever. Oh my God. Then they're notorious for like throwing, like throwing discounts at you instead of a you know, post-incident review. Well, well we had a, uh, a parity error on, the, on an LSI perk card, on a, on a HBA. Dell HBA and Dell, I mean, and I, I just don't mind publicly naming them because they did this over and over and over again, where it's like, there's not a problem. It's like the Jedi mind trick. It's like, what do you mean? There's not like these machines are including <laughs> the parameter. And then it's like, you're the only one seeing the problem. And also we think your software is to blame for the problem. It's like, this is a pair, like this machine can't boot because of a parity error on the HBA. Like if my if if our software is somehow affecting that, there there's actually deeper issues. You're like my software is barely running yet. Like what are you talking about? Right, exactly. Like you are you are blaming a a child that you're not going to have in for another fifteen years on your failed relationship. <laughs> like it doesn't even make sense. And I actually got so frustrated by this that I, that at uh, surge in what was it 2010? One of those 2011 maybe. I was actually, you know, this back in the day when the only way to speak to people was in a physical room. And I actually asked the room, I'm like, there were like a couple hundred people in the room and a bunch of folks that were still managing their own physical infrastructure. And I remember asking the room, is like, is anyone seeing a parity error on a Dell perk on the, I think it was 1800, whatever it was. And most of the room is like, what are you talking about? But there were like 20 hands that shot up in this room and all of a sudden all the hands start looking at one another and realizing like wait because we had all been individually told this is only happening to you this isn't actually a problem uh, talk about a cv broadcast 
I talk about a TV broadcast. Oh, uh, but I do think that like that's the thing in these SaaS environments. You can't do that. You can't pretend that like you're the only one seeing this problem. It's like no, no, it's a SaaS. Like everyone can see this problem. Yeah, I mean, there's also the the fact that if you're having a public PIR, you uh, that's only for you know severity one or severity zero. Like the site is down, and it is very obvious that it's down. Um, sort of issues usually level uh, reach that level of oh, okay, we're going to do a public PIR about this. But there are almost certainly, you know, a large number of very small incidents with smaller customer counts affected and that kind of stuff where um, either no PIR will be posted because, you know, they don't happen to raise a support case uh, during that window in which they have an outage or, um, you know, the outage is short enough that nobody really notices or uh, it's purely between those customers and in private communications. But, you know, if if you try to go to a website and it is not loading, um, you can't really hide from that. And you do need to, to fess up. It's not 20 hands in a room. It's, uh, you know, thousands of people on Twitter. Right, it's the internet. Ken, you're trying to get in here. I think another reason for just general, you know, more transparency comes from compliance too like compliance and security regulations that have come into the effect. Like I, I, I know they've been pop, uh, they've been around for a while, but I feel like they're just more popular like within the last five, 10 years than previously. Well, if compliance is part of what's, what's generating that. And it, you know, when you're using the term PIR, you're using that as a post-incident review, I assume it's the. Correct, yeah. 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 I, if, if, if that's, um, if compliance is generating that as a positive artifact, that's I think that's that's a very good thing, actually. Um, yeah, I I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, I'm more annoyed by compliance than anyone, but um, it could be a, a reasonable cause for it because I mean, you, you know, there is like monetary loss to not following those regulations, and I don't know, it's. Uh, it, it could be because of compliance. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you kind of bring, you bring up a good point too, in terms of, of the, the tie in with, with security. And it's certainly been interesting to us to discover, to watch how vendors deal or don't deal with vulnerabilities. And that, which I think is a, the real test of a character of a company, because, you know, and I would say most companies have understood, most vendors I do think understand that you it's not something to, to kind of cover up or run from, that you actually need to confront it. But I, I hasten to say not all companies believe that. I was actually shocked to learn that, le- I always assumed that like everybody participates in MITRE's CVEs. That, but they don't? No. All right. They, they, I mean, I, I have known that it's like optional in the sense of like the, the, these are the common vulnerabilities and exposures database that that's handled by MITRE, and it's like optional in the sense that there's off there's like it's not you're not legally required. But I kind of assumed that everyone felt a kind of a responsibility, a communal responsibility to report CVEs, but that is not the case. And 
the so Adam, did you think? I, yeah, no, I, I I thought that that was just what everyone did. Like I oh, didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, this sounds like naive now that you're saying it. Oh god, this like, is so much better though. Of, of course, some folks will like choose to do things in secret or do things their own way or consult with their lawyers who will forbid it for whatever reasons. This makes me feel so much better because we found it in particular, uh, and like. This is just a statement of fact, which should be clear at this point. NXP, the, the, the maker of putatively secure microcontrollers, does not really believe in CVEs. So if you go to like the LPC-55, which we, just, we had Twitter space describing Laura Abbott's terrific work finding this vulnerability in the LPC-55, if you go to the CVE database on the LPC-55, or the CVE database on all of NXP, there are, I think, four vulnerabilities. And you're like, wow, this must be the most invulnerable thing ever. It's like, no, no, they just don't believe in it. And when I, when I just, Adam, I was like you, this makes me feel much better that you felt the same way. Cause I kind of felt like a kind of a naive, like, <laughs> like country mouse being like, what do you mean they don't believe in CVEs? And our security people are like, no, are you, are you serious? No, you knucklehead. Like, they want people to think what you thought that they're only four. <laughs> right. So it must be the most secure thing ever. <laughs> It's like, but that's wrong. It's like, oh my God. Like, seriously, do I have to like do all of your education for you right now? It's like, yes, this is all, you know, this reminds me of the, the, in terms of, and Adam, I'd like to believe that this reflects well on our fundamentally optimistic character. Is that a, is that an angle? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> the, they're telling you about this, like this, uh, we went to this marketing event, CIO summit. Do you ever go to any of these at Delphix? These like speed yes. dating with customers? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, at, at like boondoggle golf oh. resorts all over the world. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, this, for sure. This, these are so filthy. So you have a – these are these paid-for events. And so as a vendor, you pay to go to them. And they're like as, – as Adam says, like golf resorts, whatever, really nice. And there are all these customers there. Was it turns people users of technology? As it turns out, and this is like I can't believe that this is certainly it doesn't feel ethical. I can't even believe it's legal. You've yeah. got employees of like companies that are being individually paid to be there, which is feels like unspeakably dirty. Absolutely, uh, a lot of them. I mean, is it that surprising that like a IT exec at like a bank? would would feel fine being paid for some of these things i mean based on other like their their peer executives in other divisions but it's just like and again i just like this is where i sound horrifically naive but it's like this you got this like little cottage industry where you go and like sell yourself out on the it just feels like because like you're clearly there because you know you work for this large company and people are believing that you're there representing the company not representing yourself and yet you're being individually paid to be there, which is like, oh my God, it's so filthy. So as you can imagine, and, and, and did you go to any of these things? Yeah, yeah. I went to, I went to one in Turnberry, uh, Scotland. Oh my God. Oh my God. You flew the Gulfstream out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I flew coach, but yes. And because the other thing is like, of course, like the people you actually have out there the kind of people that are attracted to this like filthy arrangement, like don't necessarily aren't the people you want to be speaking with anyway. Like this is not that they don't necessarily have. <laughs> I remember Steve and I were there together talking to one customer 
And then I, we're talking about our technology, like, oh, this is great stuff. My company will never adopt it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, no, these guys are total idiots. I can't get them to do the most basic thing. But this looks great. I mean, good luck to you, honestly. If there's any way I can help you out. Like, well, you can help us out by, like, I don't know, like, evaluate. I mean, it was so disaffected. Um, and he's like, why, God, what a, what a terrible way to live. So we get to the end of the day, just like where I get unspeakably naive. We get to the end of the day. And I, I don't know, it would be interesting to know if this, this was this particular event, because we only did one of these, or this was just like ubiquitous. There's a raffle at the end where the customers can win like pretty neat prizes, you know, beats, headphones, whatever. Was it, from the vendors in particular. Well, from the conference. The conference is going <laughs> to run a raffle. Got it. And our VP of marketing is like, so uh, who do you want to win? So yeah, we've got our prizes that we've contributed to this kind of like pot of loot. And who do you, uh, who do you want to win? Oh my God. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, pulling, I'm pulling for these guys. Like yeah, they, pulling they, for these guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, yeah, they're, they're Bob over here is being friendly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't can know. use that Xbox. I don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, who do I want to win? I don't know. Like, well, yeah, we're this in like a spectator's part. He's like, no, no. Like who should we assign as the winner? And I'm like, Brian, we can't do that. Like, it's a raffle. It's like, a raffle. Honor the integrity of the raffle. <laughs> honor the, the integrity of the raffle. Honor the social contract of the raffle. I just remember him giving me a look like, are you fucking serious right now? I mean, he was just like, do I really? Are you this? <laughs> I brought this country man. <laughs> I brought this country man. Like who, like, who put you in this suit that you're in? Like, I don't right. even understand. Like, how have you survived in a city? Like, it, how? <laughs> so he's like, no, Brian, we designate the winner. And I'm like, we designate? But they're drawing. <laughs> and they were literally drawing it out of a hat. But, but they're drawing it out of a hat like yeah they draw the one that we designate there's nothing written on those pieces of paper like you really need to walk you through it and i'm like oh my god i'm just like it's all been revealed and i feel just absolutely filthy so of course there was the it's not clear to me if the customers knew this like maybe they did maybe they didn't but there was in this event which is basically just like filthy and the customers there it was gross and like they weren't real buyers there was one person that we'd already that we'd also spoken with from a major petroleum company who seemed really sharp and really good and had a lot of budget, seemed like a really interesting technologist and was interested in a lot of different things. So I, to this day, do not know if this guy had just like faked earnestness. He definitely seemed very earnest, but he was winning everything. So I assigned him as our winner too. And so they're like, and wow, Bill wins again. It's the net set. Wow. Uh, well, this guy had this absolute heap of. I mean, he he was had two thousand dollars worth of doodads of gadgets. I'm like, this is nice stuff. It's like an Xbox, like you say. Man, that's amazing. Uh, it turns out he doesn't actually work there. He just shows up <laughs> to these things. I, you know, that's a great point, Matt. I've got no idea how deep the deception goes. I, that totally, he totally could have been a ringer as part of the conference. And the con, I mean, the conference itself was filthy. And like, they pocket the loot. That probably is true, actually. Now that I think about it, it's like the Spanish prisoner for, for, for vendor events. <laughs> I got to go replay everything in my head. Yeah. Um, but it, was yours in Scotland? Was it as gross? It was, I don't remember quite so many raffles. Uh, but it was pretty gross because it's like, 
I mean, it's super opulent digs. You know, I don't know how much my company paid, but it was a lot. Uh, and, I, and I went with actually a, a very experienced um, salesperson who was also very green to uh, our company, like he had joined not that long ago. And one of the, um, you know, we, we, we had one of these speed dating sessions. One of the uh, execs we were speaking with said, you know, what are the obstacles to like rolling out this technology? And the sales guy, and I, and I emphasize, his job was to sell the product, said, looked the guy in the eye and said, well, you kind of need to change your whole organization around <laughs> this product. Oh, and, 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 and afterwards, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just a, a country mouse. But is that really how we want to pitch it? Is that really how we want to position the product is turn yourself inside out to adopt this thing? So I, I don't know that it was very effective for us either. And we, did the was this a multi-day thing? Or how did this work? Yeah, it was like a several-day thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was like, uh, you know, some of the folks were like sneaking off to play golf instead of going to their sessions. And oh, like God, that. that's, which I also can't stand. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and I made a huge, the, the, the Linux Foundation years ago, wanted, they do this, this open source summit which one of my colleagues called open source Davos, which is basically what it is. And they wanted, they were hosting it at the ski resort now known as Palisades in Palisades Tahoe in, in, in Tahoe. And I was just so furious that they were hosting this. And they're like, no, listen, this is about getting people away from their work environment so they can really focus on these meetings. I just remember and I apparently, I don't actually remember this, but this was retold to me. And again, this sounds like something I would say, so I can't deny it. There, someone else will be like, I remember you saying uh, very directly, then why don't we hold it in a Motel 6 in Bakersfield? <laughs> um, which would have been, uh, but needless to say, we're, and actually someone is like, man, you must really hate skiing after that. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I love to ski, but I like, I ski with my kids, not with like, not as part of a corporate boondoggle in the middle of the week. Like if we want to have a meeting, let's have a meeting. Let's not anyway. Yeah, corporate grossness. Well, I walking way, way back. Uh, I wanted to. I think that you thought that this Fishworks message was precipitated by some customer event, but it turned out to not be the case. What What was the incident that you thought had precipitated this message? Okay, so the one I thought that. So as I have said repeatedly, we never lost anyone's data, but it took some very long vacations. At which I mean. I was proud of the fact that we didn't lose people's data. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, but it did take some very long vacations, and um, we we you and I both endured some uh, some patho- early performance pathologies of CFS for sure. Snapshot deletion. I remember needing to make the case for making snapshot deletion uh, because snapshot deletion happens uh, the way that happens in the transaction group historically. Um, you could end up needing to do many, many, many random reads in order to close a transaction group, and you would that the the, the transaction group would effectively cork on these random reads to do the snapshot deletion. Adam, I'm, I'm sure I'm bringing. Yeah, back no, I'm 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 trying to remember if this was the same pathology that caused us like at boot single threaded to like pause for five days or something like that, where we said no, 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 your your data is still there and it is coming back. It is going to take a minute. Yes, this is the same. This is similar. That was dedupe. The, oh yeah, I, yeah. 
I think you're referring to a customer that was that he was in tears and I was very close to tears. Um, it's the closest I've come to crying with a customer. The uh, because he was like, I just want this to be the way it was last week. I'm like, I want it to be the way it was last week. It was so glorious when it worked, and now it doesn't work. And in particular, this is where dedupe was enabled, and we had lost the dedupe table, and I had determined that the thing was going to boot on, it was going to come up by Thursday. <laughs> and it was fine. <laughs> oh, that's a vacation. Yeah, it was it, it was uh, it was not good. Um, the it, it was it was really uh, it was it was great. Um, but we uh, ultimately, and then that was the same thing about kind of creating these random rates. The the incident that I was thinking of was um, more the, was one where we again uh, data went on some long vacations. There's one exception to that. There was one incident of data loss, and the. The, that data loss was created when a someone attempting to support the appliance actually uh, edited the kernel from the operating system shell and changed the in-kernel data structures. Which Holy is smokes. Do you remember this? Oh, no, no, I don't remember that at all. That's, I mean, that makes your like CV broadcast, CV signal change look like just a, you know, outpatient procedure. Oh, absolutely! No, it, it definitely like. I, listen, at least my so, my. Hang on. Yeah. When when you all are doing this, is this like DDing or is this like? MDB minus KW, is, my friend. Solaris just like do. Uh, is, is this a Solaris thing? No, this is in memory, not not on disk. But he's saying they right, opened up like, basically I mean, the kernel debugger and splatted down some bytes. Oh. Okay, you're you're throwing a debugger at this thing. Okay, carry on. Yeah, Brian, are you muted? All right, Brian may be gone. Sorry, Adam, I killed him. No, no, now, now I'm, I'm like waiting with bated breath to know like what had happened here. Oh, he, he just DM'd me aside and said, I think I'm going to die, which means I think his, his uh, system went down. Um, while Brian is gone, I'm going to share w one more anecdote from my experience on, on support. Um, which was a, we had a customer who uh, was having a you know, real hard time and one of our support engineers was working on it with them and was very explicit saying, you know, there, there are some problems with this data set. We're going to get back to you. Um, oh, Brian says he's back. Brian, we're going to finish this one anecdote. Yeah. So um, this one data set may not be recoverable, but don't touch it. We're going to deal with it later. Next day comes around, support engineer logs in with the customer. They have deleted the data. Now the customer is furious with us that we have told them to delete the data, that they've lost the data, and so forth. And, and we've really, we're really at loggerheads because the customer isn't owning up to the fact that they kind of inflict the self-harm. Uh, and support engineer is, is very clear and showed me the communication. Um, I remember this very well because I was sitting in the room with one of my colleagues and, and my, my other colleague, the sport engineer, Mantha, was, who also worked with us at, um, at Sun on the storage appliance. Uh, uh, Mantha was, was off in Colorado. And um, I DM'd Mantha and I said, look, I'm going to yell at you, but you did nothing wrong and I want you to know that. And I start laying into him. Mantha, how can you do this? We have procedures. You know uh, and the customer immediately fessed up. 
like the fact that there was this human face being uh, like raped oh over the coals. It was like, you know, we did it. It was our fault. We did it. Now, in the meantime, I was the colleague who I was sitting in the room with that was not did not know that this DM exchange was happening. Oh my god! His jaw hit the floor as I started like laying into this colleague of ours. He had um, no idea that you had equipped the colleague with a cackle bladder. That's right. <laughs> you actually, you, you actually shot him in the style of this thing. That's right. So this was this was like a a shoot the messenger, shoot the hostage uh, negotiation <laughs> with with the customer. All right. Are are you? If you're gonna do that to me, you're gonna give with an oxide customer. You're gonna give me some advance notice, right? I mean, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you know why. I, why you're taking friendly fire? I mean, I'll stage my own death. If that's what's required. Actually, <laughs> that's right. Actually, uh, that is uh, that's that's wild and troubling. Well, so yes, on, on both fronts, and I agree that that you know perhaps this doesn't violate this violates a certain amount of transparency. Your um, methods are unorthodox. <laughs> Um, that's true, but like, what, what do you do with uh, you know, when when you have folks who are who are like ultimately being dishonest? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so, that, I, so back I wonder. To... I, I wonder how many of the issues here just come from the business model of how support gets done, right? Because it seems like you know, for a lot of enterprise stuff, what you get is you get basically a fixed per year support price which is basically just paying Dell to neglect you um, versus like, you know, a, a time and materials type of support thing where if it turns out they suck, they don't make any money. Um, but you're, you're, you've got a single vendor, you know, like you can't, like if, if Dell support can't fix it, you're, you're kind of beholden to them. But like also at some point you are doing things and you're just a man without a country, no matter what. Right. Like, I mean, was Dell any use to you at Joyant, Brian? <sighs> like, I mean, if if could they have been doing things that are that far out, like at some point, no one can help you anymore. You're on your own. I, I mean, you crossed I, over the Rocky Mountains with your, your wagon train, and like, well, looks like you're the Donner Party now. I definitely agree with the sentiment. I, I, I like the phrase, this is help, it's not on the way. Um, and so I definitely, I, I do appreciate that at some level. I know, it's like, I, I definitely think, like, Dell could have helped. I mean, there are, and I do think that, like, I, I, th- I think when people pay for infrastructure, whether it's in a SaaS model or if it's on-prem, I, I think it is part of the responsibility of, the, like, part of what should be included in that price is the price is is standing by it and supporting it, um, which is not necessarily easy. But I, I, I agree with you that there is that you get these kind of unfortunately perverse, it's a very perverse set of incentives yeah. where you're yeah. effectively paying Dell to neglect you, not to help you. Um, okay, but, because but, but, they, at the end of the day, they make more money from just telling you, "Oh, it's no one else sees this," and run away. Oh God, right? but, but Brian. So you were when last we heard from you. The yes. customer had just had just in core modified the kernel. Oh yes, so, so and the uh, so it effectively they modified the in core VDEV, and uh, ZFS was simply not what. I mean, they had effectively changed the implementation of ZFS, and there was data corruption. As like, what else could it have done? Yeah, and the, the yeah, that was definitely a wake up call. Did, did they, and did they own up to that? Yes, 
<laughs> yes. I, I think that they did. Uh, again, this was a Sun. It, it, the customer did not do this. This was done by Sun Support. Oh, oh my goodness. Holy smokes. That's terrible. It was not good. It was not good. And it's like, it's so bad that you're like, okay, we actually need, there's something deeper here than just like a single person acting irresponsibly. Like you, when, when something like that happens, you have to look to something systemic and that, that there were definitely more. Uh, absolutely. Problems. I mean, it's, it's like the, the, you know, the aphorism about SAS, like where, when, if someone were able to, you know, detonate the production database on the first day, like it's not the person that's the problem. It's the systems that are the problem. It's a system that are the problem, perhaps exacerbated or certainly exacerbated by a person acting sloppily, but there's a larger system that contains that person that really has to be examined. Uh, and yeah, there were, uh, there were a lot of challenges there that the, and, and I think the other thing that's important to remember is that like the, they wouldn't have been doing this at all if there had not been just what you were mentioning about, I thought it was interesting, Adam, your point about the customer taking control of the shell that that was not their first move. That was like a bunch of other things had failed and now they're at a level of desperation that where they felt that that was necessitated. And I think that that's always important to keep in mind in these cases is that you've got the levels of desperation are getting higher and higher and higher. And that was also like, that was a really rough, that was during that rough for the first year of that product was super, super rough because it was too successful <laughs> and we sold too many of them. Yeah. Outstripped our ability to support it as well as we wanted to, to educate internally, educate externally, you know, build the systems for that kind of scale, the whole thing. Yeah. And we got there, but we, we built it behind it. So yeah. Well, that's it. That was a, that was a <laughs> meandering walk <laughs> through, <laughs> through James Garfield. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that on the bingo card Wait. for tonight. Was there even a plausible reason to go running around editing in-memory data structures in the kernel? Like, I, is there ever? Well, I mean, like, clearly there are I mean, there definitely reasons to go hand-editing anything on a system. But, like, was were the reasons good at the time to justify why this was happening? No. Or was this just, like... No. No, and this is one of these cases where... Uh, you know, there are things that I'm willing to do on a running system. That's not among them. And when you are, and indeed, like when we're talking about changing that branch displacement earlier, I was willing to do that because it's a single byte. Um, when you are, and it's program text, and the, 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 you're very bounded about the failure modes, going in and changing data structures of a running system is 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 reckless. In, and, in particular, ones that are related to persistent data where one false yeah. move and you haven't just bounced the system like you know if you if you had gotten the wrong bite probably the system just detonates if he gets the wrong bite now forever this is, like the data is garbage yeah and indeed we we only piece this all of this together long after the fact it was really really brutal persistence is hard as it turns out and when you have because you, you have defects can can leap this fire line as adam is describing and you it's forever and it can be really, really brutal. So yeah, it, uh, it, it, it's uh, Matt. Are you? I, 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 this is going to be. I'm worried now. I'm like with bated breath as someone who I've definitely worked with on infrastructure problems. Are you? It's going to be. Hey, hey, Brian. So I, uh, my first job ever was basically on the receiving end of Sun support, and I definitely ran. You're welcome. Ran a bunch of Sun machines. <laughs> 
And uh, I mean, in general, everyone that I talked to was super helpful. But I, 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 I gotta say, I knew what MDB minus K was. And how did I know that? Because like, it's in like various docs and like people will tell you to do it. Like, I never did it because I was terrified of it. But like, I knew what it was and I knew what it did. Like, how did I, like, how would I a lowly, I, mean, I was like a college student. And they were like, oh yeah, maybe you should MDB minus K that thing. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. Uh, okay, I would like to point out the difference between MDB minus K and MDB minus KW. The W is load bearing. So the W is what allows you to write to the system. Yeah, yeah. MD minus K only allows you to observe the system. I see. Fair enough. Um, well, anyway, I somehow people were telling me to like do this stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it's a fair point. Maybe, maybe they weren't telling me to, to use my W. But, you know, it's been a long time and they maybe were telling me to do that. And I don't remember that. <laughs> right. right. But but this is a good point in terms of like, so I, Matt, it's the lesson there what's the lesson there should we have not documented it should we have not <laughs> no not... i'm just saying i think it's naive to assume that like no one knew what that yes. technology was <laughs> it's like kind of oh for sure kind of interesting and like the support t- staff was definitely telling people about it i mean yeah otherwise how would i know it, for sure and in fact we actually had a, one of the the kind of decision points we had around dtrace was to al- whether to allow dtrace to modify the system and we came to what i think is kind of a classist and that's surely due to me um that dtrace cannot modify the kernel but it can modify processes it is kind of classist <laughs> it's kind of terrible i don't know i feel like that's maybe appropriate in this case <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and Matt, I don't know if you're saying that that's appropriate or it's like apt. It's like not surprising given you turkeys or if it's like, hmm, that's actually the right decision. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Yeah, so we've got the ability and we, and now, did you ever use copy out in anger, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and even more so on x86 because, um, you know, on, on 32-bit x86 a lot because you know, almost nothing was in registers, so there was lots of opportunities to change the behavior of the program almost arbitrarily. And so, and you you would actually do this as part of like, yeah, how- yeah, I, I I did it for example, um, to like even in some sort of known debugging situations before the is enabled USDT probes to um to kind of like change uh, how things were operating. Like what, which which branch to take and that kind of stuff, Matt. I would like to say that I never used copy out on any of your processes. I just want to like <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to be on any of your good. processes, right? There's but, always but other Brian, people. Hey, he doesn't need you to parse my language. He's fine. You know, just <laughs> I, Brian. I feel like we had a very different relationship when you were personally involved in systems that I was running versus people uh, twenty years, you know, previously. Um, <laughs> like it was a bit of a different deal, but. Um, yeah, I mean, good. I don't know. I kind of uh, I have an increased risk tolerance, so you know what I mean. Like, I, I kind of like people who are like, you know what? Let's try to fix this. It might All work, right. but it might actually work. <laughs> it might actually work. All right, maybe I should have used copy out. I'm sorry, I didn't. The uh, but you know, actually, never. Well, I, well, it also should be said that with Matt, with most of what we were debugging, those were actually we were JavaScript. There were no processes. Um, so it's like copy out is. Yeah, you, good luck with that. Right. Good what luck what that. are you going to copy out to where? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. And the things are getting moved around a bunch. Um, and which I have to say, I don't miss having being, it is nice to be doing everything in rust where things are not GC, not moving around where we can actually, we can actually use copy out recklessly. Now, poor rust, you've been so safe and you now have this completely unsafe monster that's actually instrumenting you. Well, it's been a fun tour. Um, Adam, I want to let you get to your get to your family. I know that you're that they're all probably. Uh, I got the barbarians at the gate here in the club. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, the, a fun tour from a from a, uh, and I well, I have to do some more of these on support. I think like support is. I know it's something that's really important to me, and it's something that's important to you, Adam. And I would love to get more folks in here who end up needing to deal with with folks that are trying to use systems when they're not working and how you navigate that because it's tricky. Uh, oh, and, and, and it's this amazing blend of like psychology and technical skills, right? Keeping the customers like who are who are experiencing these things happy while trying to navigate the technical details and navigating your own organization and teammates and trying to get to the root cause of these things. It's and, it's an incredible skill. And 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 staging a, a staging a murder. Um, of, a, a, of a colleague in the meantime, and al- in the meantime, allowing, allowing your boss to like execute you in front of a customer <laughs> as a warning. Yeah. Hey, listen, it worked. I can't argue that. <laughs> that right, right. Can't results. Results. That's it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining, everyone. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye.